Well, good morning. You know, as we remember this morning, uh, 10 years ago, of course, September 11th, and the tragedy that befell our nation, I was thinking this morning and last night, you know, what can I share uh, just in regards to that? Because we are all mindful of just that day. We remember where we were. We remember the events that took place. And I was struck by how things can change in just a moment, how an event can mark the entire world. I remember that morning when it took place, I was at a men's prayer meeting and we brought a TV out and, and watched it and I went home afterwards and my kids were, were younger and I remember one of my boys said, Dad, did you see that plane crash into the building? Wasn't that cool? Again, he was young. He didn't catch the, the depth of it and I said, son, you don't realize it, but this is going to change your world. It's going to mark society for a long, long time. And I tried to explain to a young boy, you know, what this was going to, to do and how it was going to affect even him and how he lived his life. And indeed, one of my boys ended up being in the Marine Corps and going and serving. Uh, and I think we could probably... acknowledge that this event has impacted our lives. How many of you know someone who has been involved in the military since 9-11? Would you raise your hand? Give you an idea of how many people have been a part of just the events that took place because of that in some way, directly or indirectly. And so it, it is something that has touched us all. And I was thinking how an event that's horrific, could change the world, how one day could shift how we live and our future. And I was thinking about how that could happen for evil or for good. That it's also possible to mark the world for good and not allow just evil to have the imprint and leave the effect, but have good leave an imprint and an effect. And it's going to begin with our lives, but we have the ability to mark society and those around us in a positive way, in a way that changes people's lives for the better and not just for evil. And so I... Hope that as we are mindful, and it's a solemn memory that we have, but I hope that we will be mindful of the possibilities that we have to also impact our world, but for the good. Let's, let's pray. Lord, once again, as we remember the events that took place 10 years ago, and how almost 3,500 people died that day because of the tragic events. Lord, we are sorrowful. We know people who have been affected in devastating ways because of this event. Some of our friends, 
family have even lost their lives in serving to protect our country and our freedoms and weighs heavy on us, God. Lord, as we remember these things and those who did lose loved ones and those whose lives were forever changed, Father, we know that you also are able to forever change lives. And Lord, you are able to work all things, even this tragedy, for the good. That this did not catch you unaware as it did us. But even through the evil works of men, you are able to redeem them, buy them back, and make positive things happen. And we desire to be a part of that work. We desire to be a part of the good that you want to do, a good change, have an impact on the world around us for your sake. And so this morning we open our hearts, our minds to you and ask that you would not only give us instruction, but you would enable us, that you would empower us, that you would give us the motivation to impact the world around us. And may there be a quiet and peaceful revolution that takes place. And may it begin with us. We thank you again for this time, Lord. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We're in Ecclesiastes. We've got two more studies, one more after today, where we're going to be finishing this book. Uh, we're in chapter 11 this morning, and it's been an interesting journey. You know, Solomon here towards the end of this book, it seems like he realizes he's coming to the end. Yeah, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, Joe will get you one. Uh, as he's coming to the end of this book, it's almost like he's trying to, okay, I've got to end on a good note. I've got to try and make sense of all these things, all my ramblings and all this talk of meaningless. And so the last few chapters, he just kind of rapid fires all these little proverbs, these little sayings that are real practical, real helpful. And I think it's interesting because a lot of times the idea of faith, theology, philosophy, religion, it can seem so ethereal. Even the word ethereal seems so ethereal. It's like, what is that? You know, you can't, it has no substance to it. And so many people think of faith, well, it doesn't really affect me. It's something that you guys need. It's something that people go through emotionally, but it's not something that has any tangible effect in my lives. And, and now we're going to see that Solomon kind of bridges that gap where he brings into his book, these practical sayings, things that I think will have a, a great effect on us. And it, it's amazing how things can change so quickly, how you find yourself in need of real substantial guidance. You know, as we remember September 11th, 10 years ago, we know how things changed and there were so many people who were in need of help. I know of a few groups that were down towards uh, ground zero at that time and were helping people to try and find their loved ones who were helping people deal with their grief because in one day their worlds were shattered. I went to Bay St. Louis after Hurricane Katrina and 
We had a group that went and put on a Christmas celebration for the people who lost everything. And as we got to interact with these people, we went out and visited where they were living and they were staying in tents where there once was their home. And we would go along the shore there, the bay, and there would be just these slabs. And remember this one guy was telling us, you wouldn't believe the houses that were here. They were gorgeous. They were beautiful. And now there's nothing. It just changed in a moment. And, and what's going to help us in this life change when circumstances hit us hard, when we find ourselves in need of real substance? Sometimes that whole faith thing can seem so distant, so useless. And we struggle with this kind of dichotomy. I don't know if you guys go through this, but I, I, I wonder sometimes, okay, God, I, I know you're in control. I know you're at work. I know that things are taking place and you're involved with all these things that happen in life, but I also know that I have responsibility, that I'm supposed to be involved with these things. So where does my responsibility stop and yours take up? Or, or where are you involved and where does it meet where I'm involved? Does anyone ever think like that? Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone here. Uh, well, I think... We all go to that place, and Solomon kind of touches on this as well. Let's start at verse 1 in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we'll read through verse 6. Solomon starts off and he says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. In the middle of these practical things that we're going to get into, Solomon has in verse 5 this one that kind of just says, and oh, by the way, I just want you to know, you don't know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's wombs. You cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. There, just thought we'd throw that out to you guys. You cannot understand how God works. We hear something like that and we think, oh, some of us get anxious. I can't understand how God, well, I need to understand how God works. I want to understand how God works. In the Strength Finders, we, we went through that and it talks about different talents. And as you go through and you fill out these things, there's one that's called Activator. An activator is just like it sounds, like an action hero kind of thing. I'm the activator. Activators are the kind of people who are wanting to get things done. They're active. They're the people who are fire, ready, aim kind of people. You know, they, they jump and then think. They just want to see things take place. In fact, one of the descriptions, it says, impatient. 
Activators are impatient. They want to move things along. They want to push things forward because they have to see and get their hands involved. They want to be a part of the change. And so they are very hands-on and very motivated. And so for them, hearing this thing that you can't know what God thinks, it's very disturbing because I want to know what God's doing. I got to do something. God's going to work and he's going to use me, so I'm going to start doing something. Now, another one is called connectedness. And just the word, connectedness. It has this kind of flow. And the connectedness is this one where they see everything related. These are the people who see God at work, you know, and we are just flowing with the work of God. As God moves, so we get involved with his work and don't sweat it. We're like a leaf in the wind. And God is our breeze. He's the wind beneath our wings. <laughs> and he moves us along, and then the leaf falls into the river, and then the river carries us further along into the things of God. And these are the people who always say, if God wills. And these people drive the activators crazy. What do you mean, if God wills? What about you? What's your part to do? And you see, Solomon first touches that because we want to know, well, which one is right? You know, is the activator, are we supposed to be involved? Are we supposed to get things done? Or is it just God who's doing things? And, and the answer is both. I know that's not the answer you wanted, but that's how it is. And so Solomon starts off in saying, you can't know the mind of God. And you know what? It's good that we can't figure God out. It's a good thing. If God was small enough for our minds, he wouldn't be big enough for our worship. God is beyond our ability to find out. In fact, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. There are things you will not understand. But he goes on and he says, but the things revealed belong to us. And so God has his part, and there are things we will never understand. And then there is our part that he reveals to us that we need to understand. And you see, I think this is where we have to now come to the scripts where, okay, God has his part and he's doing his thing, but I also have a responsibility. And so Solomon wants to kind of umbrella this that God is working. We won't fully grasp what he's doing but then he's going to give us some practical steps that are going to help us connect with our responsibilities to what God does and how he works. And so he starts off in verse 1, and he says, Cast your bread on the water, for after many days you will find it again. Now, if you were to take this literally, you'd be stuck at a lake for a long, long time. If you cast your bread on the water, it's going to get soggy and it's going to sink. The only time I've ever cast bread on the water was to feed ducks. And so you get this idea, well, what does he mean? What is he talking about? You cast your bread on the water. How does it come back to you? Does it regroup? Does it make a peanut butter sandwich? Does it come back to you? How? No, the, the fish eat it. And then you don't want it back because they've taken it and they used it, you see. But what Solomon is trying to get through to us is that you can give and plan for the future. 
Now, I'm not really a fisherman. I, I don't really like to fish. I, I've gone a few times. You know, I went when we had three boys that we'd take fishing. You ever have three boys and hooks and fishing line? It, it was never a pretty situation. Okay, it was always a bird's nest. And, okay, Dad, here's my pole. And I'd be, you know, ouch, give me, ow, the hook, my hook. You know, so fishing never was a good experience. It was more like pulling for me anyway. I never really interacted much with fish. It's like, okay, and it was too boring. It's like, so we got to be quiet? Can we eat? You know, what can we do? I mean, i got to do something. But anyway, one of the things that I understand about fishing is you can actually see the pond you can actually what they call chum or if you drop food there and you don't fish you just leave the food there the fish start to understand hey there's a supermarket of bread here and they come back and if you're patient enough to do this over a period of time the fish start to congregate to this place so that now, after time, you can throw your pole in, or the line. Maybe that's why I didn't get you anything. <laughs> I actually did that once. Um, you throw the line in, and now you, you'll catch a fish. Now, it won't even be the fish you fed. It'll probably be his buddy. He invited him and said, hey, there's a place here. They have bread. Okay. And so days later, you start to reap the events or the fruit of the event that you planted. And you see, Psalm is saying you need to plan for the future. Don't live for the immediate gratification, but plan for that which is going to satisfy you later on. And we are so not like that. We so want the immediate gratification. We want things to happen to us now. We don't want to sacrifice now for the future, and so we put it on credit, and then we're in debt. We want what we want, and we want it now. And Solomon is saying, be patient and plan for the future. Invest in the things that are going to be a benefit for you later on. And so we need to understand this responsibility that we have. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he talks about Portions, give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Now, what's he talking about, portions? He's talking about give a little bit of what you have to other people. Yeah, give up to seven, no, even eight. Invest in people and give and help them out because you don't know when disaster is going to happen. And when disaster happens, you're going to need people. What we tend to do is we give to people for what we can get. Well, I'll, I'll help this person out because I might get something out of them. It's kind of our business mentality. Well, I'm going to kind of develop a relationship with these people so I can leverage our relationship so I can get something out of it. And really what we need to do is just give to people, not to, for what we're going to get. And you see... There have been times in my life, mine and Corrine, where especially as we've started off and things were difficult and we had kids and it was hard to make ends meet and you, you lose your job and those kinds of things where we've had people who've helped us out tremendously. 
we could not have made it without the help of people. And I know who those people are. I still have some of the cards that they gave us. And I remember, gosh, I remember when that person came in and how they gave us some money that came in right on time so that we were able to make the mortgage payment or whatever it was. And it really made a difference. We remember those people. And you can bet if something ever happens, and there's been a few times where people who have gone into need and have had help and you find out that, wow, there's a group of people around them. Why? Because they've given a portion. They've given seven, some eight, invested in people, and they've reaped the events or the benefits of those people that they've invested in. And you see, we, we seem to think, I think at times, that there's this limited commodity. I only have so much. And if I give, I won't have enough. If I do that, I won't be able to get those shoes, that coffee, whatever it is. I, I will run out of surplus, and so I, I can't give. And we're looking, well, immediately it will cost me. But what about the future? You see, if you invest, if you put that bread on the water, if you chum, if you allow that to develop, then you will get the dividends if you're generous. And that's what Jesus said, right? It's better, it's blessed to give than to receive. But we have to get out of this mindset that, well, I need this for myself and I need it right now. It's there so that you can help and you can give to those and it will come back to you. People will remember and then you will have that investment in the lives of people that will be a benefit to you. He goes on and verse 3 this is one of those verses where you read it and you're like, huh? It's either really profound or really lame. And you're trying to figure it out. Well, we can't say it's lame because it's in the Bible. You know, so it must be profound, but I don't really get it. So, ooh, I'll just say that. You know, it says, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Yep. Now, here, here's, the, here's the big one. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. <laughs> now you hear that and you're thinking, okay, God, you only had so many pages to give us the scriptures. Why would you put this? It seems so obvious. But you see, what we're trying to do is get this understanding that there is a cause and effect. And this reminds me of that philosophical question. You guys have all heard this. If a forest falls in the tree and no one is there to hear it, what's the question? Does it make a sound? You know what the answer is? Yes, stupid. You're not the center of the universe. Things don't happen. It's such a narcissistic idea that, no, it only makes a sound if I hear it. No, you're not the center of the universe. It makes a sound whether you are there or not. And you see, what Solomon is saying here is there is a cause and there is an effect. You want to know why it rains? That's because the clouds are full of water. You want to know why the tree is lying facing north? Because that's how it fell. 
something happened, it fell that way, and there it is. So if you come to a tree and you find, hey, this tree is lying towards the north, I wonder what happened. It fell that way. <laughs> That's what happened. Now, what is the application to our lives? The application to our lives is the things that we do causes things to happen. So how we live and what we do has a tremendous effect. You see, what we focus on is so much the results. We want the outcome. But we don't focus on the process. I want a job that's secure. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm playing video games most of the time during the day. I remember when I was in high school, we had this economy class, and me and a friend were in the class together, and the teacher said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to create a scenario where you two are going to live together and everyone's split up, and you're going to have to make rent. You're going to have to have a job. You're going to have to do all these things. I want you to write it all out so that you can keep tabs of this. And so we made our scenario up, and what our scenario was is we had an aunt who died and left us a million dollars. <laughs> and we were able to buy a house and we were able to buy musical equipment and we lived and started a rock band. And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. Look at, she, you know, and she really laid into us just saying, what are you doing? This is totally useless. I go, well, I thought it was a, a good dream. You see, I like, the, I like the result, but the process is I don't have an aunt who's going to leave me a million dollars. So where's going to be the cause and effect? It's not going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. You know, it's the, the guy who says, I, I, want, I want the girl who's, man, I want her to be godly. I want her to just love God, and I want her to be just stinking gorgeous. And, and I want her to just be really sensitive to me. And, and that's what I want. And God's just saying, why would I give someone like that to you? <laughs> You see, you don't think, I have to be the person who would attract that kind of person as they're drinking their beer. <laughs> That's what I want. There is a cause and there is an effect. And we detach that so easily. We only think about the end and we don't realize that the things that we do are happening for a reason. And so what we need to do is affect the reasons that things are happening. Real practical stuff. And we see this all the time. We encounter it all the time. It's the 16-year-old girl who's pregnant. She says, I, I don't know how this happened. I think you do. I think you were there. It's the guy who has the DUI and goes, man, I don't know how I got... God, well, I, I think you do. I think there was the drinking before the driving. And you find this pattern. And you guys know people who do the same thing over and over and over again. And you, you talk to them and they say, man, I don't know. I'm never going to do this again. Man, I don't know what happened. I'm so sorry. I wish it. Oh, man, I'm not going to do it. I've learned my lesson. And you see him doing it again. And you say... Man, you're doing it again. They go, no, no, it's different this time. 
And you know, and it's like, no, it's not. It's the same. And you see, it's not that they don't have enough knowledge. It's that they're not able to connect the dots with the things they do and where their life is. They don't realize that when the rain comes, it's because the cloud had nothing else it could do with that water. It was full. It doesn't matter if you dance to make rain. It matters if the cloud is full of water. And if you chop your tree down so that it falls to the north, guess what? Your tree is falling to the north. And so don't be surprised when you say, I don't know how my tree ended up to the south. Really? Probably because you cut it down and it went to the south. And so Solomon is telling us here, there is a cause and an effect. And that's true with our lives as well. He goes on. And he tells us in verse 4, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And here he's giving us two snapshots. The first picture, you see this guy laboring. He's working in the fields. He's sweating. He's grimy with dirt. It's humid. It's hot. It's miserable. Here's another picture. There's a guy on a hammock drinking lemonade. He's sitting there just taking it easy. He's watching the wind. And you say, okay, which life would you like? B, click. I want that life. I want the hammock, the lemonade. Next picture. Time goes on. Stills pass by. Here's another picture. There's a table with a feast and family. And everyone's eating and enjoying. And there's a fire and they're warm in the winter time and then there's the other picture the guy is out with a sign saying we'll work for food which one do you want okay i'll go to a click and we don't see that they're actually connected you see it, it's not enough to have a dream if you don't work for that dream it's not enough to daydream and think oh man i really want this well to do that you need to move in that direction. And if all you're doing is thinking about the wind, if all you're doing is, you know, wondering about these things, if all you're doing is waiting for that ant to give you the million dollars, you know, those kinds of things, then you need to recognize that that's going to stop. There's a time when you need to stop talking, thinking, or daydreaming and start acting, doing, and living. And that's just the practical sense of it. Because... You will not reap if all you do is watch the wind. You will not get anything if all you do is talk about it. And we like to talk. We like to dream. We like to imagine the things that we would do, have these great ideas. But it's time to stop talking about what you're going to do and start doing what you say. And this happens in every aspect of our life. How many times I talk to people and they say, man, I really want to get right with the Lord. Man, I really need to change my life. I really need to get rid of some things. Okay? Stop talking about it and start doing something about it. If you don't, you're not going to get the benefits of what you're wanting. I want, I want just to be close to God. I really want to have a relationship with Him that helps me and, and comforts me and gives me that security. Okay, 
what are you doing? I'm thinking about it. And then the time comes where there's an opportunity to, to connect with some people and to do something that's going to be positive in that direction that you want to go, to involve yourself with a small group. Oh, I don't do small groups. You know, it's just too com uncomfortable. You know, those people, oh, what's her name's going to be there? Oh, I don't like her. She's so, so judgmental, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so you don't invest in the things that are going to be beneficial to that life. You're just going to talk about it. And then it doesn't come. And you find yourself with the sign, hungry. I, I need food. I need help. But you didn't invest. You didn't plan on those things. You didn't work for those things. So we need to stop talking about that. And we need to actually do a part of it. We need to risk something and get into the game. You know, it's a humble thing to, to have to involve and risk yourself and fail. It's a humble thing, but it's a good thing. I mean, even as Genesis has started, I've, I've stepped out into some things that really didn't work out. It's like, well, that didn't work. But then we've also stepped out in some things that did. And it's good to step out. It helps you to grow. And even though it's humble, humble's a good thing. Humble's a good thing. And if you're not willing to risk, you won't receive anything. I know Corrine and I were talking this morning, and came up and she said part of that study that the ladies are going to go through talked about that, about taking that risk. And you'll be glad you did. And if we don't take a risk, we, we can't be upset if we don't get anything in return, because that's exactly what we'll get. Let's jump down to verse 6, where he says, Sow your seed in the morning and at the evening. Let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. You don't know what's going to work, so work really hard. And this comes right after he says, you don't know how God's going to work. It's mysterious. He says, but you know what? You can do. You can work really hard. And it's amazing if you work hard what benefits there are. You know, I've seen in my life and I've seen even in my kids' life, there's so many people who want work. But there's so many people who are unwilling to work to keep a job. They want a job where they don't have to do anything. To them, that's a great job. It's like, that's not a job, that, that's robbery. You're, you're ripping someone off. You're not doing your job. Well, I just want a job where I can get a lot of money and do nothing. What are you saying? I don't want to work. And you see, God is mysterious. I don't know how God works, but I can tell you that if you work hard, you're going to reap benefits, that you're going to get something for your return. You're going to get something that's going to be helpful to that. Proverbs 14.23, it says, All hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. If you work hard, you'll get a benefit. If you don't, if you just talk, you're going to find yourself leading to poverty. It just doesn't come around. And what's going to separate you from those other people who want that same job, who are in that same process? It's going to be how hard you work. 
And, and it's amazing because if you work hard, it will be taken for as talent. If you work hard, people will look at you as having talent and ability just because you work hard. They might even look at it as brilliance if you are lucky enough. But you see, even if you have all the talent, all the creativity in the world, if you don't work hard, all it will be seen as is potential. They could have done well, but they really didn't live up to their potential. But a person who even doesn't have all that talent but works hard, they will be seen as being talented. And so how you pour yourself into that and work hard, and he gives us some idea of how to do it. He says, at the evening, let not your hands be idle, for you do not know what will succeed, whether this or that or whether both. So just do as much as you can. He's telling us, work as hard as you can. It seems that God is working through those who work hard. You see, eventually that hard work will be mistaken or understood as talent. And the thing is, God does miracles, but he doesn't do magic. And we want God to presto, make my lack of work successful. God, make me successful. And he says, work. No, God, let me pray again. God, make me successful. Work. Work hard. And now here's the difficulty. A lot of us are doing things that we hate. I hate my job. And we've talked about this. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But if you're working for money and not for meaning, then there is going to be that hatred, that animosity towards your work because I'm just working to get money and money will not give you the meaning you need. But you have to work hard and you have to make where you work meaningful. You have to bring meaning to your work and you have to see the profit in hard work because if you don't work, you're not going to succeed. Invest yourself and this and that as much as you can so that it can benefit you and your life. It's an important thing to recognize and see. And as we give ourselves to these things, we have to recognize that there's nothing wrong with work. It's good enough for us all. And really, there's an investment in our future that we need to do now. And that's not only monetarily and in our job situation, but in our spiritual lives. If you don't invest in it, you are not going to reap the benefits of it. Most people I know who are younger and, you know, wanting a relationship, wanting to someday get married, wanting someday to have kids, they have a picture of what they want. They have the house, the picket fence. They have the husband, the wife who's faithful, who's, you know, a good person, who's not going to cheat on them, who's not going to lie to them. They have all these things and all these desires, but they don't realize that they are investing in what they're actually going to get. In other words, if you're not pursuing that with your own life, you're not going to get that. You're going to get whatever you're pursuing and giving yourself over to. Friday, 
my son, Daniel, proposed to his girlfriend to get married. And he, I don't know, man, they do things different nowadays. Uh, he had it all planned out. He was going to take her to a museum, and then there was a park over by the museum where he was going to ask her to marry him, and he had a friend of his was going to be there and film the whole thing, and so they've got it on video, and they've got the photographer, and they put the ring in this tree, and his friends were guarding the tree so that no one would steal the ring because he didn't want to have the ring on him the whole day because... He was worried she would be suspicious and be trying to fill his pockets. Like, okay, what do you got there? You know, why are we out here? Why would you make me dress up? All this stuff. And so they're out there, and finally he takes her, and he, and he stops, and he, he tells her he loves her. And I don't know exactly what he said. He couldn't remember. He was so nervous. But then he had it on video, and we saw this little video on the camera, and then we see him run up to the tree, and he, he pulls the box down, and he opens, and he gets down on his knee, and he gives her the ring. Oh, yeah, it was touching. And she was all, it was funny, because you see it from the distance. He goes, and he grabs the ring, and she goes like this, you know, and she's all excited. And then she had a ring on her finger, and when he pulls out the ring, she took it off, and she goes, I don't need this, and she threw it away. <laughs> And she got her ring and, you know, she said yes and, you know, they kissed and they hugged and it was just this beautiful thing and his friend was there, he was disguised as a homeless person sleeping on the grass with a <laughs> camera in a McDonald's cup taking pictures of that. I mean, he went all out, he planned this thing. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember what I did. I think I said, hey, you want to marry me? You know, <laughs> I, I, I just feel so... <laughs> failed, you know. Uh, and we went out to eat, and he had his friends, and she had her friends, and her parents were there, and Karina and I were there, and Lauren, and we were all there. And I was just looking around, and he's got just great friends. He's got great people in his life. She's a great girl. And I'm so proud of him, because he's invested his life towards this goal. And he's reaping the benefits. He, he's got friends that he can count on that aren't going to stab him in the back, that aren't going to leave him, that aren't going to go out and get drunk and wasted and, and abandon him. He's got a good group of people around him. He's reaping the benefits of his life. You see, if you cast your bread, in the right place, you're going to get the dividends. If that cloud is full of water, it's going to rain. And wherever you chop that tree down, that's the way it's going to fall. We don't know how God works. It's mysterious. But if you work hard, he will give you the benefits of that work. And we need to recognize that God gives you a compass to guide your life. The things that you're willing and passionate to work for and the passion that is there makes the process rewarding. God has put within you desires that he wants you to move towards. I got my haircut Thursday or Wednesday sometime this week, and I was talking to the gal who cuts my hair, and she was saying, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've kind of given up on my dream. And my heart just sunk, and I said, why? What, what's your dream? Well, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I just told her, you can't give up. Well, it's so difficult. You can't give up. God has put that in you for a reason. Step into it. As hard as it might be, don't let the difficulty stop you 
from pursuing the things that you desire. That's God's gift to you that gives you the ability to carry on. Because you know as well as I do, there are times when you are just exhausted. You don't want to carry on. You can't carry on. But if it's something you desire to do, you find the drive to do it. Where does that come from? That's God's compass to you saying, here, live your life and pursue this. Give yourself to it. Invest yourself in it. Be passionate about it and recognize that you will reap what you sow. So sow bountifully. Sow in the right area. Put that bread out in the water where you want to receive the dividends. And don't be surprised if you're not getting the return that you wanted because you're not investing in where you want to be. It is so practical. It is so connected. It is so important. Let's pray. Father, so many times I know that I can just ask you to do things for me. I want you to bless. I want you to provide. I want you to touch. I want you to change. I want you to help all my circumstances. But so many times I'm not throwing bread out in that direction. I'm not planting. I'm just watching the wind. I'm not working hard for those things. And God, you don't do magic. I don't understand your ways, but I do understand my responsibilities. And so I'll leave your ways up to you and help me to embrace my responsibilities, to do what I am supposed to do, to invest my life in the things that are going to bring about the life that I want. May we recognize and may we see the connection. May we be able to connect the dots. May we not be disconnected from the reality of what life is, that what we do does matter. And so may we take this morning responsibility for our actions. And again, may we act in such a way that not only changes our life, but changes the life of those around us. May we give portions of our life to those around us, seven, eight, investing in people and not being so consumed with just getting for ourselves. May we see the importance of these things in our life and how they really do plant our future. Thank you again for your words, for your instruction. May we leave here motivated, Father, and inquisitive as to what you desire us to do. May our hearts seek that passion for the things you've created us for. We do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.